Great British Drafting Show, an exclusive off-season series where we'll be taking a weekly look at the 2020 NFL Draft and how the Panthers might approach it. We are a proud part of the Riot Network, which is powered by Author Carolina. That's all the Panthers podcasts you could possibly want, all in one place. Uh, if you do enjoy this week's show, please do be sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to help other Panthers fans find and enjoy the show. Uh, my name's Ollie and I'm one of the leaders of the Royal Riots here in the UK and I'll be your host right up to the draft. But as usual, I'm joined by none other than our draft guru, Mr. Vincent Richardson. How are you doing this week, sir? I, I am doing OK. Yeah. How about yourself? Good, good. Um, isolation life is uh, is okay so far. I'm not. I'm. I work from home anyway, so it's not not a huge sh- shake up for me. It's just uh, some slight differences in the evenings. How about yourself? Yeah, that's sort of again mostly working from home type stuff, but starting to get back into older older games just as a way of kind of spreading out the what's likely to be quite a long time in the home, not doing very much. So NCAA 14 has made a resurgence this past week. Oh right, oh, a bit of games. Have you uh, have you checked out uh, Retro Bowl on um, mobile devices yet? I have not. No, is that good? Strongly recommend that you give that a go. It's a fantastic okay. little game. Then uh, goes for anyone else that available on uh, Android and and Apple, I believe. Um, and yeah, really really good little game. Uh, as the name suggests, the, the, you know, all retro graphics and yeah, yeah. Um, very simple, very simple format, simple game, but very very good little time waster which is probably what most people are in need of at the moment <laughs> yeah short of many things but not time <laughs> absolutely so um on to this week we're going to take a look at the interior defensive line so we'll be taking a look at um obviously nose tackle uh, tackle um, and then the defensive ends that fit into a, a three four yeah um before we get on to the draft though let's talk about some of the skill sets in general um over you know across the d-line appreciate there's going to be some some differences across them um, but obviously as we go through each position we'll, we'll discuss the nuances and the differences between them but in general what what are you looking at across the d-line okay so like with pretty much every position there's a combination of kind of athletic traits and technique um athletic traits or sort of depending a bit between position but you want guys to have the strength to either not be moved themselves or to move other people um both in the run game and 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 as pass uh, rushers um, but but you also want sort of quickness and particularly for players playing sort of the 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 sort of the defensive tackle and sort of three technique three four um, defensive end type roles you want a bit of bend as well particularly if they're trying to rush around and, and give you a bit of flexibility in terms of how they rush that kind of stuff is quite useful um, but a lot of technique stuff really I mean pad level is the big one um, that always shows quite consistently because you can have quite a lot of power but if you're not directing it through the opponent it doesn't really make much impact like if you if you stand very upright a lot of your power just gets completely negated before you've even engaged um but then you also want um a lot, a lot of like hand technique is really where a lot of the difference comes you want to see good arm extension and hand placement pretty much for all the defensive line positions and you want to see them make good contact with the frame of, of the blocker and then use their hands to either work around or work off those blocks depending on the context and the start of rush um, the other thing that's kind of quite nice to see is like for like an upper tier trait is sort of sort of more developed pass rushing moves, whether that's kind of like a, a stack and shed like rip move or whether it's a swim move or a spin move like those kind of things do add just a little bit of like upper tier value. I mean, I mean they're not going to make or break a prospect, but for for a player who's already good, they can kind of elevate them into the, sort of the very good categories like like Jerry Tillery, who came out last year and went to uh, the Chargers. On, I think he, he he had um he wasn't just a good player, but he had a really nice set of pass rushing moves that he was was able to elevate his game from being good to being really good. 
Okay, so I mean, you mentioned bend there, which is mm. a lot of these words and phrases thrown around when we're talking about skill sets for NFL players. Um, is that just as simple as, as flexibility or is there some agility in there? You know, what do you mean when you say bend? It's, it's, it's mostly flexibility. I mean, some of it is also then, I think the thing that you see with a lot of these things is um, like pad level determines a lot of other things as well. That if you're, you know, arm extension and, and bend are sort of the main two ones where they can be comparatively good, but the pad level can make them bad. So that if you're trying to so bend is basically when you get, if you get outside leverage um, or on a blocker, you then want to be able to turn the corner around to the quarterback. And the way you generally do that is is by being lower than them and basically twisting like round their hips effectively um but the more vertical you are the harder that is to do so rather than sort of bending round the um the 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 blocker you kind of end up just sort of running round them like you would a a person on the street kind of thing like it's it's so so a lot of it is flexibility but but pad level goes a long way to determining how you can use that flexibility and the same with arm extension where your arm extension be quite good but if you're standing vertical your like frame is closer to them anyway so it kind of negates a lot of that so it it yeah it's primarily like hip flexibility and lower body and and, and back flexibility but also like knee bend and and, and pad level go in, go into that as well I, I could be way off the mark here but i've i've got in my mind as you're saying this kind of like if you're on a bike and you're going around a corner if you sort of go around upright you're not gonna be as fast as if you exactly yeah no, it's, 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 it's exactly that Cool. Well, you obviously did a very good job of explaining it, because that's exactly what I was thinking as you were talking. Um, so with regards to the O-line, then obviously there's um, a big difference in roles. Um, so the D-line, um, but there's big differences between the O-line and the D-line. Um, but there are some parallels, too. Um, yeah. So I'd just like to expand on that before we start, if we can. Um, let's start on some of the similarities between them. Yeah, so I, I think... Like the O-line and the D-line, I mean, I'm not going to try and make too much out of this because they are ultimately very different positions sort of technically in terms of what they need. But generally, like bigger players, physically, there is a, a profile for both offensive linesmen and defensive linesmen. If you look at the the measurables for a, for a, an offensive tackle and a 3-4 defensive end, you'll see a lot of guys in the sort of 6-5 to 6-6, 290 to 310 kind of range. Like you do you do see a similar like physical profile for a lot of these guys. Um and, you know, you do want to have long arms, quick feet, um, good flexibility, good strength. Like the, the, the physical profile in many ways is quite similar. I think what separates them is how exactly that manifests and, and like all the technique. Although sort of the things that you're you're looking for are, are quite often very similar in terms of foot speed and hand placement and that kind of stuff. The actual details of how that, that comes across are very, very different. So it, it's that they're actually often not hugely dissimilar physical profiles but that they're very different technical skill sets if that makes sense right okay well yeah that that makes sense so let's get into the draft then and start um working through it so um what we're going to do is we're going to obviously look at nose tackle um tackle and three four defensive ends one at a time um but before that as as a whole what's the class looking like this year is it particularly good particularly weak I think it's it's quite a poor class. Certainly, by the standards of this draft, it's a relatively poor class. I think there are 
a couple of sort of standout prospects who who obviously have been I, I'm, I'm largely in the same sort of group as most other people watching it my top couple of prospects are the same ones that pretty much everyone else has in in, in Derek Brown, Jalen Kinlaw and we'll talk about those a bit more later so those two guys are elevated a bit but then there's kind of there's a fair gap between them and the rest and while there's like a nice grouping kind of mid to late day two type type prospects there there's not there's not a lot of kind of really high quality prospects and, and once you get beyond the those top two there there's that ultimately you're then having to decide between players who are pretty pro ready but probably never going to be stars and guys who might have more upside but are more developmental there's not many there, there are quite a few players who have a chance of being good outside of those two but but everyone else is is either probably somewhat limited or is something of a long shot to make the most out of their potential so it's it's not a class without interesting players it's not like really really thin but it's not a, a notably strong class either particularly at the top okay well let's let's start at the top and, and start on nose tackle then you mentioned um Derek Brown there so he's yeah. he's your number one pick then um I, so I think I think Derek Brown is is an interesting one. So I think like he he it's interesting. So so I did actually watch a, a fair amount of Derek Brown a year ago because he wasn't clear whether he was going to declare or not last year, and he ended up going back for a senior year. And watching him a year ago, it was very clear that he was a very talented player, but he was he he was technically still quite raw, and also was really really inconsistent. So like he had a few good plays where you could see like this is a player who has the talent to be a good NFL pro. Um, but so much of his game was 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 really quite frustrating to watch a year ago. And he's definitely like one of the most encouraging things about him is that he is a notably better player now than he was a year ago. And while that might sound not that groundbreaking, the the number of players who kind of hit their their ceiling in college, not necessarily their like athletic ceiling, but just they just stop improving. They just don't they're not the things they're not good at, they're not making any real progress at getting better at. And some of that's sort of coaching and all kinds of things, but there's a lot of players who sort of stagnate before they hit the NFL. Whereas Derek Brown is clearly getting better. I think the question you'd have if you were a team drafting him is how long is he going to continue to get better and how much better is he going to get how quickly? So he does do a lot of, like, he is clearly incredibly powerful. He's got pretty good burst, actually, uh, sort of quickness off the line. And, and there are flashes of really good technique as well. Like, sometimes he gets his pad level right, gets his arms out, gets good hand placement, and he's, as a run blocker, almost unstoppable, a run defender, almost unstoppable. And then there are times when, like, I think one of the biggest concerns a lot of people have had with Derek Brown is that, although he he's, he's, a pre, he's already a pretty good run defender, like his pass rushing is just so inconsistent and i think some people are concerned about how good a pass rusher he can be whereas i don't think watching him on tape i'm concerned how good he can be it's just how often he is that good that, that when he gets it right he shows some really nice hand usage as a pass rusher i think there are there are pass rushing snaps he has where he looks like the kind of this dominant hugely powerful technically gifted quick just like the complete interior pass rusher but there are just so many snaps where he doesn't get it right, where he gets his arms up too slowly or his pad level gets way too high or he just doesn't really locate his arms or he just doesn't like he has a plan about how he's going to rush. And, and I mean, he is my top defense uh, nose tackle and by, and by quite a way, to be fair. Like he is, I think he's probably going to end up being one of the top 15, maybe top 10 prospects in this draft for me. But so much of that is because of the plays where he looks like he's got it all together the key for any team that drafts him will be making those plays more consistent because they're 
at the moment he's just his his good plays are great, but there just aren't enough of them given how talented he is. Hmm. So I mean, you mentioned that he's he's made some significant improvements um, from his, his previous year. Where in in particular have, have you noticed an upturn in, in in his his film? So I think whereas a year ago his pad level was pretty consistently poor and occasionally good it's now kind of a more even split like sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad and like that's not it's not a strength yet but it's no longer as as clear a weakness as it was and also like his hand usage whereas whereas before as a pass rusher he was basically just power and efforts like there, there were there really weren't many plays where he's got his hands right as a pass rusher there's still on far too few of those plays where he gets his hands right but there are more of them. Like you do, you know, there are plays where he, you know, he gets, I think, I think the thing is, is that he's always going to rely on his power to be a pass rusher. And that doesn't mean he has to be a push the pocket type guy, but what it means is that he has to use his power to generate leverage. So like where he looks his most effective as a pass rusher is where he's lined up one-on-one with a, with a, with a blocker say, and he just, he, he, he goes straight at them. He gets his hands out and he either blasts them backwards and drives them back into the quarterback or and these are, this is where he has to improve. He uses that power to get the guy off balance, either by pushing him upwards and, and you know getting him leaning backwards or by threatening that he's going to do that and getting the guy to preemptively lean forwards and so getting his weight out in front of him and using the, the threat of his power to to generate leverage like forward and backwards and then using his hands to push the guy to the one side when he's got, once he's got enough balance. And I think that's where he has to be far more consistent because like Dontari Poe, although he's quicker than most people his size, was never the fastest and quickest defensive tackle. But the reason why he was able to be quite effective as a pass rusher is because he used his power to generate leverage. And that what Brown shows that at times, but just not just not consistently enough. But but that is where he has got better, that at least now it is at times he gets it right rather than almost never. Okay, so it sounds like he's a fair bit ahead of the rest. Mm. Um, up next, you've got two guys in uh, Carlos Davis and Leckie Frotu. Um, yeah. So is there are they quite evenly matched then? Yet yet far behind, or is is there still you know a further gap between these two? So I think they're quite clever, quite close together in terms of the grades I've given them, but I think they're quite different players. So I think Davis is probably more physically limited. Like he you know he he isn't the longest limbed of guys, and while he uses his hands quite well to work into gaps and is 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 technically fairly proficient. Like he's he he is probably more athletically limited. I think he's he's I've got sort of like a a, a fourth round grade on both these guys just for sort of rough sort of area of, of, of quality. And I think they're they're both going to be be guys who you struggle to justify taking much higher than sort of the mid rounds. But I think Davis is probably a guy who can be like a a fairly consistent rotation piece, like you know like a Carl Love type quality where he's not the star of your defense, but he's adding some value and he's actually quite a good player, even if he's probably going to be like a borderline starter at best. Whereas Fotu, I think, has has a lot more upside, but I think he he needs a bit more work. That um, his like Fotu in particular, his pad level is really quite poor, and like I've already spoken briefly about how that then affects other things. But it's one of those things where if you can then fix that, a lot of other things then get fixed at the same time, and so suddenly things that look like flaws just disappear when the pad level comes down. Suddenly it looks like he bends a lot better, and, and suddenly his arm extension suddenly looks much better. So I think he he's someone who has more athletic power and does do and does do a lot of nice things technically to be fair he's not just a, a physical specimen but but he his pad level is going to limit him until he fixes it and to be fair he like he he's like six five i think 
was what he measured out at the combine. I, like he, he's he's on the longer end for a nose tackle. So like the fact that his pad level is is a bit higher. His under, longer guys tend to struggle with that. So that that is understandable. But it, it, he does need to get better because it's it's going to limit him. He's too easy to move at times when he doesn't get his pad level right. Okay, so the nose tackle in general, in general, then the position. What is it that you're looking for that's different at, at nose tackle from from the other positions across the line? So, so I think like interior defensive line is like most things we talked about, where like the differences between the positions is something of a spectrum. Like with the offensive line, they're not you know fundamentally different skill sets. It's more so the, obviously, and obviously there there are players who can play multiple of these roles. So this is something of a of an arbitrary distinction, but it, it's a way of grouping players, but and 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 that kind of stuff. I think for the nose tackles, the, these are players who I think are, are probably going to play either the zero tech in a three four, so that's just lined up over the center, or the one tech in a four three, so that's sort of between the center and the guard. Um, and and that's generally your predominant run defending tackle. That's sort of somewhat stereotypical, but 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 it is largely true that that these are guys who are who are going to have to be good run defenders. They can't just get away with being good pass rushers. And generally, they're on the bigger side. They're physically bigger. Um, they're, they have the, the the power to anchor so that they can take on multiple blockers. And they're not really sort of getting to the ball themselves, but they're occupying multiple blockers and allowing players around them. So it's more about how they're used inside the scheme is sort of the difference between the positions, like, technically, like, what's in structurally. But um, in terms of, like, the actual players themselves, Nose tackles are generally the biggest guys, so I think all of the ones I've got here are sort of 315 pounds plus. You know, Derek Brown's 322 and Foto's 330. Um, but they're they're generally good run defenders who can add value as pass rushers. Whereas when you get towards sort of the three four ends, you know, there are definitely players in the categories who are good run defenders, but they're good run defenders in different ways. They're not able to 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 be the the kind of the the centre of a run defence in the way that these type players can be. Okay, so I mean, you said that um, you know, defensive tackle and nose tackle are on something of a spectrum. Yeah. Um, what about the technique that, that's needed? Is, is there much difference in that between them there? Um, I think it, it varies a little bit. So I think defensive tackles generally have to work off blocks more because they can't get away by just occupying blockers. So like, you know, a good comparison is say like. Um, Starla Tulele when he was with the Panthers and Tari Poe weren't necessarily penetrating a huge amount as, as run defenders that wasn't their, their job wasn't to work into gaps massively and if it was it was basically just by pushing really hard and forcing it, gaps between blockers I'm, again i'm i'm generalizing quite a lot here but that's ultimately the easiest way of trying to describe the differences is is that the you generally defensive tackles need to be a bit better with their hands certainly they can't they will need to not they can't just get away with with power in a way that sometimes nose tackles can so you're looking for guys who are showing consistent arm extension and and either two you know obviously there are different schemes ask players to do like differently so that's other things they're not just three four and, and four three but some schemes like defensive tackles have a gap your gap is the b gap and you just need to make sure no one runs through the b gap whereas other schemes ask for a bit more of sort of two gapping where you, you need to have really good arm extension you know look you're looking to to read the running back into multiple gaps potentially so, so there, are, there are it varies between scheme ultimately but but generally you need to be better with your hands as a as a sort of a a, a, a four three um, sort of one tech slash three tech sort of a quant short type player has to be better with hands than say a, a Don Tari Poe had to be. Okay, well let's let's look at the board for defensive tackle then. Probably a good time to move on to it. Um, yeah. You've got probably four guys here ranking close together. 
Um, yes. So let's split those into into two um, and start on Raycon Davis and Neville Gallimore up first. Yeah, so so Raycon Davis is an interesting one. So he's sort of somewhere, both these guys are probably more on the sort of pass rushing focus type area. Davis is really interesting because he's so he's six six, nearly six seven. Um, really, really long arms, great arm extension, really good hand placement. Um, his pad level does have some issues because of his length, but does a really good job of keeping blockers at bay, working into gaps. You know, his, his hand usage allows him to penetrate quite well as both a run defender and a pass rusher. He's technically fairly proficient, but isn't the most staggering athlete. Like he's not a bad athlete at all, but he's not going to to kind of really wow you with his with his quickness and burst and stuff. Um, and a combination of not being the most powerful guy and also being quite long that, that it, you know, I don't think he could really play as a one tech very easily just because if he does get jacked up, he's quite easy to move because, you know, his length and his power isn't amazing. Um, yeah. So, so he, he's sort of someone who, who can be quite effective, but he's basically going to have to work one on one to be particularly effective. Like he's not going to deal with double teams very well, I don't think. Um, but, but as a one on one run defender and pass rusher can be, can be quite effective with really quite good technique. Gallimore is sort of almost the other end of the spectrum where like his athleticism like clearly jumps off the screen like he's really quick good power and and, and as a run defender is actually technically pretty good um and while he flashes as a pass rusher I think he he needs to be technically more consistent so I think I, I he has a higher ceiling than Davis does but I think he's one maybe someone who needs a bit more work that his pad level needs to be more consistent as a pass rusher he gets too vertical too quickly a lot of the time um, and also he has this tendency to keep his hands by his side a bit as a pass rusher. And, and that just makes it too easy for for blockers at times just to grab him by the chest and not let go. That he, he although his good reps, he's really good. He has too many, a bit a bit like Brown in some ways, but but maybe not quite as extreme where he, he's, he just makes it too easy for blockers at times in a way that when you have that kind of talent, you can't just have these handful of reps where you just basically give yourself up after half a second by not raising your hands and basically running chest first into a blocker like he, he needs to eliminate those sort of easy losses from his game but I think he Gannamore and someone in particular is someone who I think could be really really good if he can fix what he what he doesn't do particularly well but at the moment you're, you're just a little bit cautious particularly as a sort of a an older college player when they come when when, when you know if, if sort of a redshirt sophomore comes out not being the most technically proficient, you can kind of understand it a little bit. But when you've got like a redshirt senior coming out, you're you're a little bit more cautious about him suddenly fixing these technical problems. Okay, so the other half of your quartet here is uh, Raycon Williams and Jordan Elliott. So are these just sort of different types of players in in terms of the, the first two? Yeah, I think these, these these top four are all actually really quite close together. Um, they're just all very different. So I think Elliot is probably closer to Gallimore in that you can kind of the good plays are really good, but it just the the technique needs to be far more consistent. Like he again, Elliot gets too high a lot of the time. Hand usage is it, it is good when it's good, but it, it sometimes it, it needs to be better. But I think you know both Elliot and Gallimore are guys who whose pad level currently is going to really limit them until it gets better. And while that can mean that when you fix it, they suddenly get a lot better, that isn't always the easiest thing to fix. So I think both of them are probably more of the high upside type options. And Jordan Elliott has got some real fans out there in terms of like, you can see his good plays. You can you can understand why those two guys will probably be taken higher than, than Davis and Williams, because 
again it's the thing with the nfl likes upside and both of them probably have more upside like they are like their good plays are better um but but williams is another guy who is just really good arm extension he's probably got the best pad level of any defensive tackle in this class i'd say like just pretty strong but just always gets a good pad level really good arm extension pretty good quickness and just as a run defender is just really really good working one-on-one against blockers as a run defender um probably the best pure run defending like three tech in, in this class um and it's one of those things where although his pass rush is really quite limited at the moment you can see how he could become a good pass rusher like he's he's got all the tools needed like if he just takes what he does currently and extends it a little bit more he could he could make really good progress in that regard like his, his arm extension and his hand placement are really good he just doesn't seem to have any plan as to how to use those to then generate penetration as a pass rusher and maybe, maybe that's co- maybe that you can't fix that in which case i think you, you're still just getting a competent pass rusher who's a very good run defender but i think where the appeal would be is if you can if you can take the hand usage he uses so well as a run defender and start applying it to the passing game maybe you have this this a player who, who can make quite significant developments and be more of like an all-round real sort of centerpiece of a defense type guy but, but i think you because again you have to be a bit cautious about saying that he's suddenly going to get better at these things that he hasn't really done very well beforehand. But I think he's already a good player, but you can kind of see how he would become a, 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 a better player with, with some some coaching. Okay, so we've got four guys fairly closely matched there, and, and clearly there's there's some developmental options, and, and we've had this discussion most weeks about NFL teams and, and how well they think that they can develop players. Um, but... Would would scheme become a part of this in terms of different skill sets that a different scheme is going to be looking for um, when it comes to a team trying to split these four apart? Yeah, so I, I think if you want someone who can like one get, so basically someone who's just going to get into a gap and penetrate and cause problems, I think Gallimore is probably, particularly as a, for a run scheme, is much more suited to that, that he's, he's probably the quickest of these four. Elliot is similar, but I, I think probably a bit more versatile. I, yeah, I think Elliot is probably at his best, the most versatile of the four, even though I'm not sure he's the best of the four right now. Um, Gallimore is probably the most suited to penetration as sort of a quickness, just get into a gap and get downhill type type run defender. Whereas I think Davis and Williams are probably, particularly Williams, are probably best suited to sort of more more two-gapping type schemes. It's not that they can't play sort of a one-gap scheme, but I think if you want someone who's just going to get their arms out be at a good pad level, hold their point and, and wait to, to make a play on the ball carrier. I think Williams in particular, but also Davis would be much better fit in those type schemes. Cool. Now, is there anyone else you want to cover off on defensive tackle before we move on? Yeah, there's just a couple of guys, I think. So, um, Josiah Coatney from Ole Miss and Justin uh, Madabuike from Texas A&M. I've got a little bit behind those, those top four. I, I, I've sort of, you know, not miles, but they're just at a step behind. Coatney is someone who I think, again, his good plays are really good and his, his sort of athleticism and movement really jumps off the screen. But again, pad level is just really poor and it's going to limit him until it gets better. And, and Madabrique has got a bit more love in terms of he's probably going to go a bit higher, but I think he's a similar prospect in, in that just the pad level is just so poor that, that although there are plays when he gets it right and looks really good, that that he's just too easy to move and there are too many plays where his verticality just kills him. And I think until until those two can fix that, they're going to be limited to players who run very hot and cold. Um, but if you can get that under control, then suddenly the, there's a lot more hot and a lot less cold. And I think that's they're probably longer shots in the top four. And I think there's 
probably both of them have a reasonable amount of bust potential, but also have a lot to like if they can get their technique sorted and stuff. And, and then generally that's, I, I think Coatney probably going in the mid rounds, I think is about where it seems likely to go. And I think that's probably quite fair value. I think I'd be cautious about taking Madabrike higher, even though he's been mocked sort of second round type stuff. But I, you know, again, the good plays are good. It's about making them more consistent. I think that's where a lot of this this comes in. They're, they're, particularly for defensive linesmen and, and offensive linesmen a bit, but but mainly for defensive linesmen. It's about to, it isn't most defensive linesmen can make a good play here and there. What separates guys is the consistency with which they're able to affect the game. That you know, if you're rushing for 40 snaps, you can't have four pressures and 36 snaps when you do absolutely nothing. Uh, you know, it's not means you don't add any value, but you need to you, you need to increase the number of snaps. Not necessarily the way you're getting pressure, but where you're getting close and you're causing the ball to come out. You can't you can't just be completely locked down for 70% of your pass rushing snaps. And I think these guys at the moment have too many snaps where they just they add almost nothing as pass rushers in particular and are potentially vulnerabilities as run defenders. Cool, good stuff. Well let's um let's take a look then at some of the um defensive ends that we've got in um, fitting into a, a three four system. Yeah. Um, you've got a, a standout pick here first in um Javen Kinlaw. Um, yes. it's just is he streets ahead of everyone else, or, or is there someone? Yeah. So, so he's again another quite interesting player. So I, I did have a bit of a debate between whether I think he's more of a, a like a defensive four-three defensive tackle or a three-four defensive end, and I think he probably could play both. But I think he would be best in a scheme. He'll be best in a scheme that asks him to to, to kind of be disruptive and and, and that's, rather than somewhere that's asking him to be sort of a consistent sort of technical presence. So he, he's. He's probably a more like the most extreme example in this draft, at least, of someone whose athleticism is just so obviously present. Like he's he's so quick, he's so powerful, his his good plays, he's just his potential jumps off the screen, and, and NFL teams understandably have somewhat fallen in love with that. And don't me wrong, I think he is a really good prospect, and his his ceiling is incredibly high. And he's another guy, a bit like Derek Brown, to be fair, who has got better from a year ago. So like he he's getting better. But just his pad level is all over the place. Sometimes it's great and he just dominates the defender, and sometimes he basically stands vertically upright and is completely irrelevant. Like he's got quite—it looks like on tape at least—he's got quite long legs, and that does mean that his kind of his leverage is quite inconsistent. But he needs to get better. His hand usage needs to be more consistent. Like it's one of those things where you can see. You can see all the tools. You can see the fast hands, the long arms, the flashes of really good hand placement, the quickness, the burst, the bend. You know, the the power to drive guys backwards. But it's it's he is a fairly raw prospect, shall we say? And while his massive athletic potential means that he's sort of quite a valuable raw prospect, like he he's someone who is going to need quite a lot of work at the NFL level. Um, and you know. Obviously, one sort of impact of that of sort of the coronavirus type stuff is that teams aren't able to visit and travel as much as they were. I mean, now they're not allowed to tra- travel at all. And obviously, we saw Marty Herney visited um, the Auburn Pro Day. I don't know. I don't know if he got to South Carolina or even South Carolina got around to having their Pro Day. But but Javon Kinlaw is someone who interviews will be massively important because teams don't just have to like who he is on tape because everyone's going to like who he is on tape. You have to like how how much you think he is coachable as a player. And whether you think that the the player you've got now is the one you're kind of going to get stuck with and that there'll be plays where he's great and plays where he's not very good at all. Or whether actually he's someone who who with some coaching, you know, South Carolina haven't been producing a ton of technically great defensive tackles in recent years, whether he's someone who can 
can get closer to his potential with good coaching. And I, I think he's he is a, a prime example of a real boom bust pick. Okay, I mean, you, you mentioned um, for him as well that he's made some good steps over the last year. Where, where in particular, again, for him, have you seen some some real improvement? So I think like it's a bit like Derek Brown, where it's not like there are things where he's suddenly really good at them, but it's just things that he was consistently not very good at, like pad level and hand usage. He's now sometimes good, sometimes bad. And I think, I think personally, I think Derek Brown is the better player right now, and and to a significant enough degree that I would probably be more confident in Derek Brown as a prospect than Javon Kinlaw. But if Kinlaw works out, I think he can be the better player. That the it, it's for him, the steps have been smaller than Derek Brown, but the reward at the end is bigger. So it's a little bit is kind of ceiling versus floor. I, I think Brown is significantly better at floor, even though his ceiling is not as high. But, but um, yeah, Kinlaw has got better. He hasn't got as much better as Brown has, but he had pad level and, and, and hand usage have definitely got better. Cool. So the next two we've got um, to take a look at are um, James Lynch and Ross Blacklock. Um, yeah. What is it that you like about these two? So, I mean, James Lynch is obviously been talking about a bit around the Panthers because he's a Baylor guy and Matt Rule and all that. Um, Lynch is more of like an uh, an interesting piece because he's the way he was used at Baylor he was used not dissimilar to how JJ Watt has been used at times potentially where he kind of he's switching between playing sort of the the between the guard and the tackle and playing outside the tackle like he actually had like a reasonable number of legitimate outside edge rushing reps um, and he uses his hands really quite well. He bends pretty well. He's got pretty good pad level. He's got enough athleticism that he can threaten both in terms of quickness and power. Like I think he he probably does need to be better in, in terms of um, like pad level and arm extension at times. Like I don't think he's a, a like a perfectly technically polished piece, but I think he's a pretty technically proficient piece for the most part. Like even if he's not always perfect, and even though he's not the greatest athlete, is a is a is a, is a good athlete. I think he's. One of the big concerns with him is exactly how he fits because how he was used at Baylor was is not a way that most teams use a player. Like there there isn't an example of of a James Lynch on most defenses. Obviously for the Panthers, like Phil Snow probably knows how to use him better than anyone. But there there are going to be teams I think that that maybe aren't as high on him, as, as as high on him as others, depending on whether they actually have a way to use him. And I think it's one of those things where I think he's a good player that if he's like your best rotation piece or like a you know if he's the best player on your defense you've probably got a problem and therefore because he's not like a clear like fit in any particular scheme necessarily there are teams that aren't going to be want want to, to they're not going to bend their entire scheme around just to fit around like a, a good player they'd only do that for like a great player but but if you if you have a way to use him whether it's sort of as a rotation sometimes playing sort of outside the, the tackle sometimes playing outside the guard sometimes playing here they're everywhere like if you've got a way to build that into your scheme, I think he's he does a, a, a nice combination of things. Um, Blacklock is a bit different. Like he's more of a conventional um, uh, like three-four defensive end. I think he can maybe play defensive tackle, but I think he's really better as a as a three-four end. Like he he is really quite quick. He gets off the line well. He uses his hands really well against the run. He gets you know gets good arm extension for the most part. You know gets his hands up well good pad level, pretty good power, like a really pretty proficient run defender, not dislike Williams uh, um, in terms of defensive tackles. Um, I think he's a bit quicker, a bit more penetrating. 
Um, but he he does need to bend with his knees more. Like although his pad level is good, a lot of it is bending at the waist, which does create some balance issues. Um, and also like again, a bit like Williams again, like his pass rush. It's not that you can't see how he would become a good pass rusher, but I'm not sure he is a particularly good pass rusher right now, even though if he's got the tools to build upon. So I think he's he's a little bit more developmental, whereas I think Lynch is more of like a a very scheme dependent but quite good player. But they're both kind of that step behind. I think they're they're both clo- co- closer to Kinlaw than any of the nose tackles were to to Brown. But again, I think there's a fair gap between sort of Kinlaw and Lynch, say. Yes, I mean, you mentioned a, a developmental option there. Another guy maybe worth taking a look at is Joe Gaziano. I mean, would you say he's more of a developmental option as well then? Yeah, a bit. I think he, he he's a bit like Lynch, but probably more on the developmental side where, so he played primarily as a, as a, like a edge rusher at Northwestern. And like, he isn't like the greatest athlete, but, but, but was kind of a, a quite competent um, technical edge rusher. On the, on the larger side, to be fair. But I think really, although he might be able to play some big, like big edge snaps in like the right 4-3 scheme, he's probably going to do better to move inside and be more of like a, a technical pass rusher working as a three tech. So again, like he's actually technically fairly proficient. For him, the biggest developmental thing is is going to be the scheme change, like moving from, from an edge rusher to like a three tech. And also he needs to his hand usage does need to get better, particularly if he's going to play inside, because whereas whereas if you're an edge rusher, you've got a fair amount of space between sort of when you start the rep and when you make contact, that you've got more space to run until you hit an offensive linesman. Whereas if you're going to play inside, he has to get his hands up more consistently. Like that was It wasn't his greatest strength as an edge rusher, and it'll be more exposed as a three-tech. So like he needs to adjust to playing, one, playing a slightly different position, but also he... he he needs to get much better in terms of getting his arms up early and making contact, particularly particularly as a run defender. Um, you know, as someone who, and also as a pass rusher, someone who's going to rely a lot on their technique rather than sort of great athleticism. He needs to make sure that that he's giving himself a chance to use that technique, and he's not just giving him, you know, running into defend uh, blockers and just losing reps because he isn't being disciplined enough. So, I think he's he's never going to be a star. So in that way, he's kind of more of a a mid-tier developmental guy, but he's kind of an interesting sort of switch from from an edge rusher to a to a three tech. Okay, so before we start um, talking about the Panthers and what they might do, uh, is there anyone else uh, at this position you just want to give a sort of honorary mention to as perhaps a, an outside chance? That, that yeah, so so I think the other person, maybe, maybe not an outside chance, but someone who's got quite a bit of love, who I may be a little bit lower on, I think is um, Marlon Davidson from Auburn. Um, and I, I don't think he's a bad player. So I think he's my sixth rated uh, three, four defensive end. So I think like he's, he's competent, but he's probably, for me, he's like a mid-round rotation piece type player. And I think the I think the thing that, that, that frustrates me with him, maybe why I'm a bit lower, because although... He is quite athletic and stuff. Like his pad level, whereas Derek Brown is someone whose pad level went from being not very good to being inconsistent. His estate is being really not very good. Like he's, he he is his pad level is consistently not very good. And when it is good, it's because he's sacrificing other things to make it good. Like I think he he's quite good if he his game is very much built around not power as such, but. He, he is, he's not very good. If, if he has to get his arms up consistently and work into gaps, he's going to struggle. He kind of, he penetrates reasonably well, but but isn't very consistent in terms of his technique. His hand usage is really inconsistent and stuff. And again, there's, there's potential there to like, but he's a good example of someone who doesn't seem to be getting much better. 
And although that he is relatively athletic, he's not super, super athletic. And also he just he he feels like a player who is stagnating. And maybe he maybe gets in the right team and that's completely wrong. And actually it was just coaching and he suddenly gets a lot better. But he 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 hasn't made the progress that you'd like him to make. And so while he does still have the talent, it's hard to be quite as enthusiastic about that talent. Okay, good stuff. Well, let's let's bring this back to the Panthers then. Yeah. Um, question I ask every week is: Do you see the Panthers spending any draft capital um, on the interior D line? So yeah, so the Panthers have obviously been quite strongly linked with both Derek Brown and, to a lesser degree, Javon Kinlaw in terms of options at seven. And it's you know if you look at the the Panthers free agency, um, if you dare to look at the Panthers free agency, um, there's there's definitely still a need at defensive tackle. I think the Zach Kerr signing did help them. Like, I think if they hadn't added somebody, you'd have to sort of think they, they must be going defensive line because that they just don't have the bodies. I think Zach Kerr now gives them the flexibility that they can address it and they cannot. I I think Derek Brown is probably a fairly good bet. Like, I th- you know, I don't think it's a lock by any means, but I think there's, you know, if Derek Brown is the pick on draft night, I, I would be far from surprised. Um I'm not sure whether that's a pick that kind of as a fan base you get super super excited about and start sort of celebrating in the streets but I, I you know I, he is a very good prospect and I think that it's understandable that he's being linked to the Panthers particularly given um, how he would probably uh, fit in with with some of what what Phil Snow looks like he wants to do and and how he'd fit in with the other players they already have um, I, I'm not sure whether it's a position that's hugely deep so, I, I, you know, if you're looking for a steal in the later rounds, I mean, someone like James Lynch coming from Baylor, I think probably the fact he's been linked to the Panthers a bit, I think is also understandable. You know, if there's a team that's got an idea of how to use him and wants to take a chance on him, particularly someone who, whose value is very much um, linked to their usage, I think I think he is someone who sort of, as you get into day three, if he's still there, I think would be really good value for the Panthers and, and would make some sense sort of with them. Um, yeah, but it's... I, I think they'd probably like to find a nose tackle, given, you know, I think Carl Love, I don't think he's signed elsewhere yet, but but I, I, it seems like he's not going to be back. And obviously you've lost McCoy, Butler and Poe. So I think they do need bodies at defensive tackle. Um, but I, I don't think this is a super deep draft. Like, I don't think they're going to find, this, this isn't the draft to find like a, a steel rotation piece in the seventh round. It, it's, it's probably a, a draft where they're either going to address it early on or then they're probably not going to address it until the mid-rounds, and then it's probably very dependent on the right guy or two falling. So I, while I could see them addressing it in quite a big way, potentially, if, if all the cards fall the right way, it's it's not a, dream, a deep enough position group, group that you could be sure that they're probably going to address it at some point. Whereas, say, the receiver group, I mean, obviously the Panthers have gone to sign some receivers now, but if you're a team that needs a receiver, you, there's going to be a receiver that's a good value for you at some point. It's just a matter of when and who. Yeah, I mean, look, looking at um, the receivers, we're we're racking up a few, aren't we? Hmm. So <laughs> yeah, I... we could be quite fun to watch. And and actually, if if you look at um from from a, a fantasy perspective, if if we've got some good weapons on offense and a pretty dreadful defense, <laughs> from a fantasy perspective, you they could be a, a low key um, option because we could score a lot and actually be on the field a lot. So I think the thing that slightly confuses me with the Panthers receivers. So I think it is definitely true that, you know, the Panthers basically went into the offseason with, you know, Moore and Samuel and um, Brandon Zilstra as their receivers. 
Um, and obviously, even if you're going to, in a draft as strong as this one, even if you're going to draft multiple receivers, you can't go into training camp with four receivers, two of whom are rookies. You know, you do. You know, they had to add some receivers. The fact they have isn't particularly surprising. And I think, to be fair, guys like Farrah Cooper and I'm also blanking on his name, the guy they signed from the Saints. Like ultimately, although Cooper has been given more than the vet minimum, you know, if, if he doesn't make the final roster the Panthers are not going to go bankrupt and I don't think anyone will be completely shocked. He also gets some return value and stuff. So I, th- I think the two that are kind of more secure roster spots are Seth Roberts and um, uh, Robbie Anderson. I mean, the, the Seth Roberts one, I think, again, I, I don't, I think they've probably given him more than, than, than you would give someone who you plan to move on from. But if he's your fifth receiver, you're probably not going to lose your mind uh, in terms of how much money you've given him. I think the Robbie Anderson one is interesting. That's that's the one that I'm still struggling to get my head around because, you know, that's a serious investment in a receiver. That's not just like please come and be our number four receiver. You don't you don't give a guy ten million dollars a year to be your your, your number four receiver. Um, but also, he, you know, he doesn't. The Panthers still have a lot of guys who can get vertical down the field and and can be 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 useful weapons. But they're still like they really don't have many guys who are sort of underneath route run like you. Know, and, and maybe that's something they think this is strong in the draft and that's where they're going to go in the draft and that kind of stuff. Or, or even maybe they don't value it particularly. But but they have a lot of verticality. Like this is a team that, that if you looked at the receivers, you're going to go, well, this is a team that's going to throw the ball deep a lot. And then you look at the Teddy Bridgewater sign and you go, maybe this isn't a team that's going to throw the ball deep a lot. So I, th- I think at the moment, the biggest issue is there's, or issue, that's probably the wrong word, but there's quite a lot of mixed messages in terms of how the Panthers have got about free agency. And what we're going to see between you know, through the draft and also when when the season starts, you'll see it ultimately is is what direction they're actually going in in terms of rebuild and scheme and all this kind of stuff. Because it's at the moment it's they've added a lot of talent, you know, potentially, but not necessarily coherent talent. It feels like at the moment, unless they do something, um, I don't want to say soon with everything that's going on in the world at the moment, but um, in plenty of time for training camp, we're probably going to see some wide receivers lining up as <laughs> a defensive tackle or something, just because we need a body there. <laughs> we I'm, need I'm, to actually be able to do a walkthrough. I'm fairly concerned that Corn Elder is technically the starting cornerback as of right now. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm pretty certain the Panthers will dr- will sign a cornerback before the draft because if you look at who they've got at cornerback, it's um, it's not many people. Um, so, like, but you know, I think the thing that is worth noting as well is that that you know, free agency, although the big names have largely gone, it isn't over. Like, teams will continue to add players between now um, and and the draft, and even before training camp and stuff. Yeah, the Panthers have five cornerbacks currently under contract. One of which is Jason Justin Burris, who is largely expected to play safety. And you have Dante Jackson, Cornelder, Dominic Hatfield, and Cole Luke. Those are the Panthers' four cornerbacks right now. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying those guys are terrible, but you can't go into training camp with four cornerbacks, three of no, three of those four who are on vet minimums. Like, you know, Dante Jackson cannot be the only non-minimum corner on on the roster. Yeah. yeah I, I, don't I, think, think... I think it's also, when you look at our free agency, and, and I think, I don't know about you, but certainly for me, it feels like a long time ago since it opened, but... I think that's more to do with the fact that we're not leaving home at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So, suddenly it feels like free agency started so long ago, but actually it, it didn't. And there are still a lot of players out there. Yeah. I mean, so um, what's his face? Who's Ross Cockrell, um, who played, you know, he's not a star, but played really pretty well for the Panthers last year. You know, he's still a free agent. I, I think those kind of, I don't think they're going to suddenly come in and sign, you know, 
the next Darrell Rivas, but but you know you you just need to add some some solid veterans who you know to to to, to pull a Gettleman, you know the, the free agency sets up the draft, and while you know he has said a lot of less intelligent things since he since he left Carolina in particular, like that is largely true that that you need you need to use free agency to mean that you don't go into the draft having to draft a certain position. And I think the issue is right now the Panthers would have to draft cornerback, either they'll have cornerback be just complete, you know, open season for for for, for opposing teams all season long. So so I think, you know, it's not over. There is a lot more time, but you probably don't want to go into the draft with um three defensive tackles and four cornerbacks. That probably is not something that's gonna be the case come draft time. But but there's still work needed to be done, shall we say. Certainly is. Cool. Well, that uh, just about wraps us up um, on the interior D-line for the week. Um, looking forward to next week. We've got a, a probably a pretty big one coming up. We've got running backs next week. How's yes. that looking so far? Um, yeah, there are quite a lot of interesting names. I'm, I'm, if I'm honest, I'm not sure the Panthers are in the biggest need of running back, but but yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's it's... it's it's still fun it's, to talk about the skill Yeah, and it's, 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 it's quite a strong position in the draft as well. So it, it's, it should be a good podcast. Good stuff. Well, thank you very much once again, Vincent, for all uh, your research and words into that. Very, very insightful stuff. Um, please do subscribe, like, comment, review, and all that good stuff wherever you get your podcast from. Um, tell everyone about us. Um, I'm sure you've all got plenty of time at the moment to be listening to all the podcasts. So check out all the content on The Right Report and all through uh, the right network and, and the podcasts are out there there's plenty of content to see you through uh, these troubling times um do also feel free to reach out to us give us any feedback uh, ask vincent plenty of questions on twitter uh, myself i'm at royal right uk uh, vincent what about yourself i am at v richardson 444 good stuff great thank you very much once again vincent that's all from us this time but do join us next time on the Great British Draft. Thank you. Bye.